0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what was quite a sunny day, but the sun has now gone away in a deserted city of Westminster, it must be said, as once again we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. I'm Scott Challoner and I'm joined on today's programme by Laura Henderson. Laura is the managing editor at Abode 2, a luxury property magazine headquartered right here in London. Laura, welcome to the programme, and it's great to have you on the air with us today. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure having you, uh, Laura. Now, um, the purpose of this podcast, as I say, is to gather together a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership as a whole. So what I'd like to understand first and foremost is what that word leader actually means to you.
1: Well, leadership, certainly in the last uh, four to six weeks, um, uh, has, uh, I think, changed. Um complexion completely from uh, perhaps my mindset prior prior to lockdown mm. uh, it uh, I think leadership is um, uh, an amalgam of, of of characteristics, but I think the one uh, overriding trait i I would um, that certainly springs to mind with myself is is the can do uh, keep calm, carry on. Perspective. Um, I think what COVID ha- has certainly taught me is um, we have a lot more resilience than we thought we ever did uh, in the mm-hmm. past. And uh, taking a team, certainly as I have, I have a team of seven uh, with me in the journey and um, uh, keeping their spirits up um, is, you know, really, really important. And it, I think it's a, a trait that. I will be focusing on much more um when you know we, we come out of the other end in terms of how I operate, how I engage with my team, and indeed how they engage with me um but uh it um it very much is about i think resilience and when when times are tough, we keep calm and we do carry on. I think um, you're absolutely
0: right um, in saying that it's been a huge learning curve, sometimes for the better for businesses, because we often hear it said, don't we, that times of adversity such as this do bring out the best in people. And there are so many stories out there of teams, whether they've had to adapt to remote working or whether they've had to continue going in on site. They've just got their heads down or they've got on with it and just continue to do their best and muck in for the, uh, for the good of the business. And it sounds as if that you've certainly seen the same within Abode 2 as well. And everybody's really sort of gotten stuck into the task at hand.
1: Yes, very much so, uh, and in fact, it's, I think a lot, you know we find, and I'm sure a lot of other SMEs um, oh. will have found these past few weeks is, is um, how important um, all individual members of the team really, really are, and and when the chips are down and when times are tough. Um, this is a version you, you could arguably say that happens in different guises and has in the past and will in the future. But but having a team that um, can read off each other, uh, can um, share ex- experiences and expertise. And actually, there's a lot of emotional intelligence, I think, that's come out of, of these past few weeks. But I always think emotional intelligence in business is, is almost the unsung hero. Uh, we were always... Good at sort of touting figures and stats and uh, yields in in our case um, in in the real estate industry, but actually having that emotional intelligence and insight into understanding um, how buyers and sellers work and indeed how your team works um, is 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 so so important. Uh, And I, I do think it is a very undervalued um, business trait. I think it's something that I hope we will rely on much more going forward um, is actually reading how are people thinking, uh, how are they feeling, and how that's going to impact on their productivity levels, uh, how they relate to other team members, uh, suppliers, uh, external uh, clients and so forth. Um, And it's certainly something I I want to focus on um, much more, you know, going forward with the business.
0: I think in a way, um, it's absolutely right that this current COVID-19 situation has really brought about a period of self-reflection, hasn't it? There's a renewed focus on mental health and the well-being of employees. And that's something which hopefully we can take forward, isn't it? Because it it is so, so vital, not just for uh, productivity, but also for sort of the overall good and chemistry of the team um, involved as well. And when people understand um, as employees that their employer cares about them, you are much more likely. To be able to take that person with you and get the best out of them, but also vice versa as well. In many ways, those around a leader also serve to get the best out of the leader themselves too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and also I think it enables uh, individuals uh, if they feel um, they're working more holistically as a team. Um, you know, the, the a productivity levels should inevitably um you know spike and continue to grow um but but I think it's feeling um appreciated and valued um and it gives you a certain inner confidence uh if if you um if your team feels that they they can make suggestions make changes um and that the you know they they um my managers will support and listen to uh, that, you know, those decisions and those ideas. Um, and I think all business leaders will, will agree that um, any any company, uh, the, the well being and functioning of that company, uh, is never down to one single person. Um, and it's it's um, giving giving the individuals, you know, in, in that group, in that team, um, a voice. You know that they, they they can take risks uh safe risks or, or um but certainly measured risks shall we say um uh and which will help them grow inevitably and 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 as such it helps it helps the company evolve as well.
0: It's important, isn't it, to encourage um, employees as a business leader to take on their own forms of leadership and really try things, um, like you say, and sort of go beyond their comfort zone. You've seen how it's benefiting teams um, in times of crisis when they simply have to sort of push the boundaries for the good of the business as a whole, but also giving them that confidence to try things and not be afraid of necessarily making mistakes and just being confident that they can develop and learn from that. That is hugely, hugely important, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. It is very much so. I mean, as a sort of case study with with our business, I mean, we're publishers first and foremost, but um, we have had to look at taking a different stance in terms of how we develop the business going forward. We already have a print and digital edition, but we've looked into um, developing an app uh, for the magazine, uh, running uh, e-marketing campaigns, Um, doing more on social media uh, and even in the long-term events, which obviously lockdown lockdown permitting, uh, we will be allowed to do. But that has all stretched the team in terms of, gosh, ideas, how how can we make this uh, current crisis work for us, work best for us and also for our clients? Uh, And there's something quite nice about being... Uh, as you say, out of your comfort zone. But if you're doing it in in a team, uh, taking the team with you in a a collegiate manner, uh, um, it's all the more powerful when you do it.
0: And I think you learn so much more about each other as well when the chips are down and you're really having to step up to the mark, as it were, because with a changing market environment that is inevitably going to come out of this business is having to make sure during this period it's able to adapt and to try new things to make sure that it's future-proofing itself for when things do start to pick up again
1: mm-hmm. yes yeah it's uh, i think the uh the last couple of months uh have certainly brought innovation to the fore mm. um and you know the creative thought process um it, it, you you have to evolve, evolve or die. Um, and I think it, the onus on leaders is to make sure that that um, uh, their staff play a part in that, um, and that they realise their value and how much they can contribute to making a difference going forward. And and ultimately, I, I mean, I'm such a strong advocate of entrepreneurialism. Um, you know, having started a business eight years ago, um, you know with just Two people and then, you know, keeping on going during the current crisis. Um, and I think, you know, that's ultimately down to um, the team that I have working with me. Um, they, they have made it happen. And um, there are many, many more SMEs out there, you know, doing the same thing. And I think it's absolutely a, a wonderful uh, challenge that I think that we all face. I think Britain is particularly good um at uh, nurturing talent um and uh, encouraging ideas, idea generation um, uh, new business startups, and so forth and and I think maybe one one of the pluses from you know the, these past couple of months is we're actually coming out going, my goodness we we can survive this um, we are enough." You know, we actually can make a difference in the business world. We can contribute to the new economy, uh, whatever form that that may take in in the months to come. But um, we need to take responsibility for being part of um, the solution and not the problem.
0: I think you're absolutely right um, in saying that. And I think we are very good um, in the UK at encouraging things like um, entrepreneurialship, as you uh, say there. Um, do you think also um, as a country, we do recognise good leadership within the business world as much as we maybe should do? Because I think in some ways there's a little bit of an emphasis when it comes to leadership on people within the public eye, isn't there? Such as celebrities, maybe sports personalities as well. So maybe it sort of falls by the wayside in terms of recognition when it comes to the business world somewhat.
1: Yes, I, I agree. I think there there should be many more forums for business leadership, uh not 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 just clearly the blue the blue chips. It's wonderful to have spokespeople um from the big brands. Um it it's encouraging and it, it's the way forward. But uh I would love to see more on a, a more regional level um forums where business leaders can uh, have a voice um, and can attract an audience. Um, I, uh, I'm a member of, uh, a, a private members club, uh, Home House in London, which is very entrepreneurial. They've set up, uh, Homegrown, which is purely for startups. Um, and they, they have, uh, podcasts from all different sectors, but it's, it's leaders talking about leadership, uh, starting up businesses. And I, I, um, I'd love to see more of that, uh, on a but on a regional level. One argument could say it's much easier to do in London because there's a bigger pool of talent there. Mm. But I actually don't necessarily agree with that. I think there's talent across the country. Um, and it it's a case of, of you certainly radio is an ideal way of of, of um uh, actioning that that forum where where you have an active audience, um, and it's it, it's just a case of um, skewing slightly the the, the content chosen, um, and, and having opportunities uh, to to talk about business issues, um, and you know, as you say, you know, leadership um, comes in all different guises, and uh, it it's. Um, I think it's almost like building a family mm. going forward. Um, once the idea is set, um, many, many more versions of it will, will probably span out across, you know, across the country. But someone needs to make, uh, make a start on it.
0: Absolutely right. And um, if we take into account your experience um, in leadership or law, and running your own business for around about eight years, what sort of advice would you give to those younger generations of aspiring leaders who are looking to embark on their own leadership roles in future?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is uh, if you are setting up a business, it has to be something you're passionate about uh, and actually uh, something that you you, you really feel you could um, put your heart and soul into. Um, Having a good idea, obviously, is a must, spotting a gap in the market. But I I also think uh, you need to take risks uh if you're setting up a business it, it you know you're not um you know working at a checkout nothing wrong with that but it, it it's um a huge risk uh to step you know step out on your own but don't be afraid of that uh and i think speak to as many um people in the field that you can uh glean as much advice from experts as you can um and don't be afraid to to make mistakes or trip up because that that will happen um, but i think that probably the, the key message is you you must be passionate in your field um and you know you wake up with a fire in your belly wanting to make a difference in that sector I think
0: that's very sound advice um, absolutely Laura because um, whereas I think skills for example can certainly be honed and developed throughout one's life and one's career it's important to have an inner passion and inner drive and a motivation that really comes from within it's important as you say to surround yourself with positive people and really pick your mentors because being a leader you're not going to have all of the answers especially as a young leader Um, and also as well um, it's just um, really important to sort of um, always think about the long term as well um, I would say I think that's um, absolutely integral and if we do keep focused on the uh, the future before we do wrap things up on the program today as well um do you give me an idea as to what you envision the next 12 months will hold for yourself and for Abode too but also as to what you hope to achieve beyond the current covid-19 situation as well and for seeing beyond the pandemic
1: i very much see our business going more digital uh, it's an inevitable journey. I think we we will need to embark upon, and indeed, all publishers will. Um, but I uh, I also would like to um, treasure um, print. Uh, that that was where we started um, eight nine years ago. Um, it was purely a print a print edition, and I do feel there's still a place for that um, going forward post COVID. Um, it, I very much am a, a supporter of, um, you know, that medium. And I think people will always want to pick up a newspaper or a magazine or a book uh, and enjoy, uh, you know, the, uh, the freedom and the, the sort of personal feeling of, of, of sitting down and, and, and uh, reading um, something you can't do on a laptop. Mm. Um, but in terms of the business, I, uh, you know, I'm hoping that we will go from strength to strength, um, and uh, all staff uh, up and running uh, in the next few weeks. Very much hope so, and, and then into into next year. And um, I'm looking forward to you know us making a difference. I think in the real estate world, in terms of disseminating information out to to those that listen to buy uh, and to sell and, you know, feel quite proud proud of being a part of, of, of that process.
0: Certainly seems as though there's a lot of ambition there, Laura, certainly. And I think you're right that there seems to be a lot to be said for the experience of sitting down and being able to read and making sure that we don't lose sight of that, even though we have to innovate. And it is, of course, mm-hmm. again, if we look back um, at that message that we left for those young people who are looking to become leaders in future, now is the time to really try new things and not be afraid of maybe having one or two setbacks because it is a changing market environment and everything is going to be different going forward. Um, we are just about out of time on the programme today, Laura. Laura, but I have to say it's been a really insightful and also really enjoyable experience having you on the programme with us. And thank you ever so much for taking the time to come on and speak with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Likewise, an absolute pleasure. Many thanks. I've
0: really enjoyed it, Laura. Thank you ever so much once again. That was Laura Henderson. Thank you. The managing editor at Abode 2. Um, coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with former England cricket captain Sir Andrew Strauss. Sir Andrew is the current director of cricket for the England and Wales Cricket Board, and as a player, he is one of only three England captains to have secured the Ashes both at home and away in Australia. He is also the England captain with the second highest amount of Test victories in. English cricket history. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Andrew, and that's coming up next.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White, and today we're joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB. Sir Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Real pleasure to be here. Thank you.
2: The pleasure is all of ours. You know, Andrew, you've had a distinguished career, as I said, both on and off the pitch in English cricket, recognised not least with your knighthood for services to sport just last year. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, Now, there have been ups and downs in the career, like any career, including public and private disagreements with certain individuals. And on that front, I think what everybody wants to know, have you finally forgiven Marcus Dreskothik for giving you that stupid Lord Brockett nickname?
3: (laughs) Um, Well, my recollection... was It wasn't Marcus Scott that you gave me that nickname, ah. it was actually Mark Butcher. Uh, He's but to blame. I think there were a lot of people, it was the senior England teams at the mo- mm. at that time who wanted to sort of put me in my place and make sure that I didn't get above my station. So um, uh, thankfully it didn't particularly <laughs> stick other than within those group of players.
2: And you really did try and get on their nerves by getting above your station because of course in your first outing uh, you went on to score 112. Mm. now am I right in saying this perhaps that you only got there because Michael Vaughan did himself an injury
3: well that was the reason I got on the pitch in the yes. first place yeah absolutely I mean you know it's often sort of misunderstood or misjudged the role that luck plays in a in an international career or sporting career full stop and um, you know I was wait, waiting patiently in the wings mm. for an opportunity and it didn't really seem like an opportunity was going to come along and then we won the Ashes, but also the day after, you know, that open-top bus parade around London, and to understand that we'd broken out of the cricket bubble, that they're just general sports fans or just people that were interested in, in seeing England win at something were all engaged and uh, completely besotted by the whole thing. I think that's
2: such a key point, now because there's, there's so, there were so many people back in 2005 that may have not even given cricket a second glance what an extra I think it was the like fifteenth of April, wasn't it? What an extraordinary day and what an overwhelming day that must have been for you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, y- you know, an Ashes Test match is a big day anyway, yes. and then f- for us to have that extra element of the the Red for Ruth day and to see the the wave of support. You know, it's probably it was just I myself and the boys were incredibly profoundly affected by that uh, in a good way, you know, felt so much uh, love and support there.